Broadcasting from the ARN Racing Studios in Southern California, a turn for media company, ARN Los Angeles. This is ARN, the American Racing Network, the Motorsports Authority. Not one, but two seasons kicking off this weekend. One down in Daytona, a NASCAR tradition. The other one in Southern California at Pomona for the Winter Nationals. Plus, what exactly did the clash at the Los Angeles Coliseum look and feel like? We're going to talk about it today as we preview the 2022 Daytona 500. I'm Alan Bailey, and you're shifting gears. This is ARN, the American Racing Network. Drivers, Get ready, strap in, and hold on. We're getting the green starting right now. It's a pretty basic understanding. I'm always going to speak my mind, and I'm not going to hold back. I don't even know how that works. It's an entertainment sport, not a fair sport. You're shifting gears on ARN with Alan Bailey. Ah, nothing like Speed Weeks down in Florida at Daytona, although technically this year it's Speed Week, but still... I'll take it because practice, qualifying, the duels, all of it's coming at you. The duels are happening tonight, actually. I cannot wait. Welcome on in to Shifting Gears number 116 on February 17th, 2022. I'm Alan Bailey at Hey Alan Bailey, and I cannot wait to get into this show. Tons of cool stuff happening. If you're listening to this after February 17th, you already know who's in, who's out. We're going to find that out tonight when we watch the duels. It's absolutely going to be phenomenal. I cannot wait. Like the preview said, we are talking about The Clash, my personal experience at The Clash. I was there. The video diary is up on the YouTube channel right now, youtube.com forward slash Hey Alan Bailey. Make sure you go check that out. Make sure that you go subscribe to the YouTube channel. And since you're subscribing, make sure that you also subscribe to wherever you're listening uh, to the Shifting Gears podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Tuned In, iHeartRadio, or AmericanRacingNetwork.com, ARN.com. No matter where, make sure that you mash that subscribe button. Uh, tons to talk about. All kinds of cool stuff to get into, but there's only one way to kick off the show, and that's with this week's Hot Topics, powered by AmericanRacingNetwork.com, the Motorsports Authority. Now, is anyone surprised by this one? Hendrick Motorsports swept the Daytona 500 front row once again as reigning Cup Series champ Kyle Larson nabbed the pole. His teammate Alex Bowman once again on the front row for the Daytona 500. Hendrick Motorsports has gotten seven of the last eight Daytona 500 poles. This is Larson's first 500 pole. And guess what? Bowman qualified on the front row for the fifth consecutive year. Anyone else calling him a hack yet? No? Hmm. Just checking. The dual race is set to take place on FS1 tonight. That will set the starting grid for the 2022 Daytona 500, which will be Sunday on Fox. Bush Light decided to do something that honestly kind of shocked the racing world. Bush Light launching a three-year, $10 million commitment to provide female drivers age 21 and over in NASCAR, more funding, track time, and media exposure. The program is called the Bush Light Accelerate Her program, and it launches immediately. 
Round six of the Monster Energy Supercross season at Angel Stadium in Anaheim featured a head-to-head battle between two of the top riders in 450 with Jason Anderson nabbing his second win of the season, the first rider to nab a second victory of the season. Formula One team McLaren signed rising star Lando Norris to a four-year contract extension that will lock in the young British driver through the 2025 F1 season. The 22-year-old Norris is entering his fourth full-time season in F1 competition, improving from 11th in the standings in 2019 as a rookie to 6th overall. Last year, Lando actually nabbed four podium finishes, his first career pole, and 31 laps led the first 31 laps of his F1 career. Speaking of F1, Williams revealed their 2022 livery on an F1 show car this week. For full details and photos, make sure you log on to AmericanRacingNetwork.com. Marco Andretti will return to the 2022 Indy 500 and attempt his 17th start at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. He'll attempt the 106th running of the Indianapolis 500, driving the number 98 Andretti Autosport Honda. And here's a bit of very cool history in the truck series. Tad Moffat, grandson of seven-time cup champ Richard Petty, will be making his Camping World Truck Series debut Friday night at Daytona in an STP-sponsored number 43 truck that's reminiscent of Petty's retirement car from 1992. And in the worst-kept secret in the NASCAR Xfinity garage, Ty Gibbs will run the full season in the number 54 Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing. The 19-year-old Gibbs won four of his first 18 starts in his partial season last year. And in an actual bit of shocking news, the 2021 Daytona 500 winner Trevor Bain competing in the Xfinity Series for the first time since 2016, driving seven Xfinity races for Joe Gibbs Racing this season in the number 18 Toyota. And just days after winning the very first Bush-like clash at the LA Coliseum, the Loganos, Joey and wife Brittany, announced that they are parents for the third time, announcing Tuesday afternoon on social media the birth of Amelia Love Logano. The Loganos have two sons, four-year-old Houston and Jameson, who turns two in May. For these stories and more, log on to AmericanRacingNetwork.com to keep up on all the latest motorsports news you need to know. ARN, the Motorsports Authority. At Hey Allen Bailey on the social media accounts. You can also use the hashtag ARNRace in order to get in on the conversation, where you can send me stuff like NASCAR Man at NASCAR Man underscore RR. Curtis Turner won the poll for the 1967 Daytona 500 with a speed of 180.83 miles per hour. After one round in qualifying at Daytona, William Byron had the fastest speed at 180.85 miles per hour. Them boys were flying in the 60s. NASCAR man, I don't know if it was Curtis Turner or the fact that that was a smoky Munich number 13 Chevy. I think it had more to do with the Chevy because Smokey took that number 13 car, the black car with the gold roof hood and deck uh, in the black side panels, number 13, no sponsor on the car. And he essentially made uh, one eighth model of the car. It was just just maybe one sixteenth. It was just a little smaller. Smokey, he was absolutely crazy. And he definitely lived up to the name of the best damn garage in all of Daytona because he knew how to build race cars. 
man was way ahead of his time. He was Chad Knauss before Chad Knauss was Chad Knauss. And NASCAR had no idea how to police it at the time. It was, heck, it was the late 60s. It was kind of wild, wild west as far as the rules were concerned uh, in the NASCAR Cup Series. They kept the pole, or Turner kept the pole, I should say, but NASCAR more or less said, hey, Smokey, don't bring that car back to the track, bud. Okay. And pretty much created most of the modern rules that we see in the NASCAR Cup Series, but dang, was Curtis Turner fast. If you don't know who Curtis Turner is, look it up, man. He is absolutely a beast, and I'm honestly amazed he isn't in the NASCAR Hall of Fame at at Ben Swartz. 47 degrees in LA this morning. Schools are open, people keeping calm and carrying on like it's a day at the beach. I love this town. (laughs) Ben, you're not wrong, bud. It's been kind of cold this week, and I say that because over the weekend we had record heats when uh, the big game was in town, which was absolutely great. Congrats to the Rams. Very cool for this town. And then like two days later, we had thunderstorms, hailstorms, and it was in the 40s. It was blisteringly cold. And it's Los Angeles, so we get to complain, it's in the 60s, it's so cold. 47 is freezing, and we might as well just not get out of bed. But you know what? In Los Angeles, we trek on. We get in our traffic for two and a half hours to go ten miles, and we manage. We're L.A. strong. Stay strong, Ben. Stay strong. (laughs) No, we're incredibly spoiled here in Los Angeles. I am 100% aware of that. I just don't like the cold, and I'm a baby about it, okay? If you're somewhere where there's more than you know, two inches of snow, I deeply apologize. I feel sorry for you. I have no idea how you do it. And yes, thank you to everybody who sent me Michael Waltrip's tweet where... (sighs) This needs a little backsplaining, actually. A little just explaining here. Michael Waltrip started his own brewing company at Waltrip Brewing. I wish him all the luck with it. Um, For some reason, he, he got his product into Walmart, which is great big step for the company, Uh, and they put it right near the front with a cardboard cutout of him not wearing a driver's suit because it's been too long, so it's just him in a t-shirt kind of holding a beer. Fine. He's literally standing right next to it, greeting people at Walmart, and they're walking by him like he doesn't matter. I mean, he doesn't, but still. And it's just kind of sad for NASCAR because this is a two-time Daytona 500 champ, and... He's literally reduced to being a Walmart greeter that no one recognizes in an area of the country where NASCAR is extraordinarily popular, which begs the question, has Waltrip done this before? Has Michael Waltrip just gone down to Walmarts? Does he just go to random Walmarts and see if anybody recognizes him? I totally see that happening. Like Mikey just walks into a Walmart and his wife and kids are like, oh, Mikey, not again. Oh, God. I'm going to do it. They're going to see if they recognize me. Hi. How you doing? Welcome. Welcome to Walmart. Yeah. Good 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 to see you. You know who I am? You want you want a photo? Photo up. Photo photo? Anybody? Photo? Anybody care? Anybody care who I am? I miss Teresa. <laughs> I think he did. I feel bad for Mikey, man. I I wish him nothing but the best, truly. He is a character and I think his NASCAR credit, not even NASCAR credibility, but like his whole shtick got really, 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 really old 
right around the time Dale Jr. left DEI. Once you weren't, once Mikey wasn't Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s teammate anymore, no one in the NASCAR world cared anymore. No offense to Michael Waltrip, but like him starting his own race team was great. And then Spingate happened and literally it led to the closure of his multi million dollar company. Because of one really, 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 really obvious stupid move. Like, literally, you just had to be a little bit smarter and come up with a better code word. Like, literally. Just just be a little bit more creative and he could have saved a multi-billion dollar, a multi-million dollar company. I feel bad for Mikey, man. I'm not going to go buy his beer. I'm good. <laughs> like, do I need further explanation? I hopefully don't think so. Racing fan for life 18 at 18 racing fan 18 very cool handle bud heat was the worst series of games ever couldn't be happier that we're past those games yeah you're he's referring to the uh NASCAR heat series put out by motorsports games um they they weren't good they they were adequate at best um the new NASCAR ignition game atrocious is the only real world unplayable the the latest patch there's a patch that just came out today there's a video that's uh forthcoming on the youtube channel if it's not up already at hey alan bailey uh where we will dive into the new test mode where you can drive the next gen car at daytona the one track that requires literally no skill to drive on not saying that it doesn't in real life in real life it does require a lot of skill but when you're in a test session in a video game no skill required. I, I could literally take a five-year-old and hand him a controller. Or just do what the Motorsports Games uh, CEO said. We want to give this to a two-year-old. Do you think a two-year-old has the strength to hold a controller or a steering wheel? Or even know what to do with it? You're marketing your game towards two-year-olds? I, I don't think a lot of two-year-olds are playing NASCAR games personally, but I don't know. I could be wrong. That next gen number ninety-eight uh, team live fast car. I don't know that with motorsports games on the car. I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. I might just wreck it when I play it. Like, I, like maybe, 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 maybe. I'm, I'm gonna be recording me playing that right after this. So I think I'm just gonna, I think I'm just gonna wreck it. See how that goes. You'll have to tune in. YouTube.com forward slash Hey Alan Bailey. I'm just saying. At Hey Alan Bailey, you can also use the hashtag ARNRace in order to get in on the conversation. Thank you all so much for sending in your tweets. Um, I have a lot of fun with Twitter. Let me put it that way. It is, it is a lot. Of, it is a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Now, want to talk about the Bushlight Clash at the LA Coliseum? First off, one of the stories that made the video but didn't make the video, if you know what I mean. Um, involved Jeff Burton. Uh, it kind of made the video, but it, it, the full context of it did not. Out of respect for Jeff, out of respect for NBC, out of respect for the Drivers' Council, out of respect for NASCAR, um, out of respect for anybody who uh, is is um, under the age of of, uh, of you know fifteen, it didn't make the video. <laughs> so let me let me give you some backstory real quick. So. The LA Coliseum was absolutely wonderful. Uh, they renovated it uh, several years ago and brought it up to modern codes. So even though it's a hundred-year-old facility, it's 
it feels brand new. Uh, it does not look brand new on the outside, but when you get into the halls and the media center and, well, the press box, I should say, not the media center, but once you get up there, you really get the scale of this whole thing and how impressive the Colosseum truly is. And it, it is extraordinarily modern on the inside. I, I was honestly thoroughly impressed. I knew that they had renovated it several years ago, but I didn't realize it was to this extent. And long story short, um, there wasn't a whole lot of room in the media center. There was over 300, 350 media persons uh, at the Coliseum for this event. Not all of them showed up, but let's just say there wasn't a whole lot of room for me in the booth, which is fine. I'm not a prima donna and I don't need my own suite and this kind of stuff. Unfortunately, I was literally shoved on a folding table <laughs> over by the bathrooms. I'm not kidding. Um, and again, they, they had 300, 350 media people there. They just ran out of space. It happens. I wasn't mad about it, really. I was bummed. Um, so when the heat races and the LCQs happened, I went up onto the roof, basically, up on the, uh, the top level there's a very nice overlook that looks down and um, there's a bar and all kinds of cool stuff up there. A lot of media people and VIPs were hanging out up there. So I get up there right before the start of the first heat race and I just kind of find my own spot. You know, I just kind of chill out and I find an empty seat. I'm sitting there with uh, my notepad and my phone and my camera and I'm doing the vlog thing um, for the YouTube uh, channel. So I was just hanging out up there. And I watched the first two or three heat races, and around that time, I noticed who was sitting next to me. It was Jeff Burton. Uh, if you're not familiar, Jeff Burton, former NASCAR driver, um, his son Harrison currently racing in the number 21 car in the Cup Series in his first season in the Cup Series. Um, technically, the clash was his first Cup race technically um although his first points paying race is the daytona 500 this weekend um so i was just up there and i kind of looked over and oh okay and harrison didn't make his his um he didn't make it in on the heat race so he had to go to the lcq lcq2 which was the crazy wild one where ty gibbs kind of or excuse me uh, ty dillon just kind of started running over everybody um, and in his defense, he was run into a couple of times, which shot his car into other drivers looking at the replay. Um, so basically, I had a front row seat to Jeff Burton going full soccer mom dad mode on his son racing in the clash. It was both hysterical, amazing, terrifying... <laughs> <laughs> and wonderful all at the same time because Jeff was getting very agitated for the LCQ. I think he was definitely nervous for his son. He wanted to see his son make this race. It was a big moment, you big race, historic race for NASCAR. So Jeff wanted to see his son in the race. I don't blame him. I wanted to see him in the race too just because I was sitting next to the man. So I kind of became a Harrison Burton fan by proxy through Jeff very momentarily. So we're, we're sitting there and like literally when the choose rule came up for restarts, I'm hearing Jeff go, high side, high side, high side, high side, you bleep, 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 high side. And I'm just sitting there going, oh my gosh, Jeff Burton is losing his mind right now. And, and Harrison would pick the bottom. No, what are you doing? Bleep, 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 bleep. I'm just sitting there like, oh, 
what where am i what is is this real life oh my gosh i can't move and like i'm sitting there like almost trembling i'm leaning on this like uh this small table thing that overlooks uh the racetrack and i'm just like don't move he'll see you he could direct his emotions your way don't get involved so jeff was nice he he didn't get physical with anybody he wasn't upset he threw his chair back a couple times let me put it that way and for the last part of that uh, lcq he wasn't sitting at all he was just pacing and i managed to nab a photo that was funny um i didn't want to call attention that i was a media member and i was recording him but i do have footage of um, well, audio, I guess, uh, of uh, Jeff Burton losing his mind. It did not make the final cut out of respect for Jeff, out of respect for uh, NBC, NASCAR, the Driver Council, everybody, you name it. I was like, uh-uh, this does not feel right. This, this, this feels wrong to put in the video. Sorry, not sorry. Um, and most importantly, and this is one of those racing moments that I'll remember for the rest of my life, I was right next to Jeff when he found out that uh, uh, Ty Dillon had been uh, disqualified due to that last restart. Again, when I, like, up in the booth, like, way, 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 way high up, it looked like he jumped that both those restarts. There was no question about it. They were a good car length away from the box, from the line and he jumped it there was no doubt about it nascar i believe made the right call um and and you know what ty was trying everything he could he wanted to make that race and i think he just jumped it a little too much right there as the leader you can control it and he wanted to get away as best he could because he knew the whole field was angry at him because he had hit everybody in the field at that point in that lcq so i don't blame him for trying to get away but um bad move you know, those were the consequences to your action tie. That sucks for you guys. It sucks for petty GMS, but that's racing. You It doesn't always go your way. Um, and I was right next to Jeff when they found out that he had been uh, disqualified and that um, Harrison had made the main. It was a big, cool moment. We, we high-fived. I high-fived Jeff Burton. I was like, yes, high-five. Yes, you go, Jeff. And I walked downstairs and got um food in the in the press box right afterward like that's literally like the i i don't mean this to to badmouth the event but that was like the highlight of the weekend for me was hanging out with jeff burton watching his kid make the main event it was it was very cool what he did in the main didn't really matter because you made the main that was the Mm, gotta try to do this gotta try to do this and he did it which is very cool now as far as the 500 who's gonna make it who's not happening i i don't know we're gonna watch the duels tonight on fs1 noah gregson jacques villeneuve uh who by the way won the 95 indy 500 and the 97 formula one world championship both in uh there are six non-charter cars vying for four spots um the two fastest non-charter cars guaranteed themselves into the 500 it's huge for noah gregson it's his first cup race it's his first daytona 500 beard motorsports literally has one employee well two including noah gregson and it's a big deal for them to make the 500 it's a huge deal they have a lot of support from um i believe it's rcr and to make that race it's huge for jacques villeneuve 
and that new team, uh, Team Hesenberg, huge, huge, huge moment. Um, you know, we're going to have literally an Indy 500 Formula One world champion in the field. And Jacques has made several NASCAR Cup Series starts before. It's not anything that hasn't happened before, but it's a big moment. The other non-charter drivers who have to try to find their way in, Kaz Grala, uh, Greg in, in the number 50 uh, team money team, whatever he calls it, whatever Floyd Mayweather is calling his team this week. Um, Greg Biffle in a team that has really, really, really come together at the 11th hour, who may or may not be having engine issues with their car. We're going to find out more later today. J.J. Ailey and Timmy Hill all must race their way in, and they have two spots to vie for. So four guys, two spots. I don't know. Personally, I wish NASCAR would bring the field size back up, at least for the 500. It'd be cool to see a 43-car field for the 500, but at the same point, NASCAR reduced the field size because there's just simply not enough sponsor dollars out there, and there's not enough cup cars, at least at the moment, to make a full 43-car field. 40 cars is plenty. There's enough uh, to really, you know, um, provide a very competitive race, especially in the 500, but... I, I'm honestly very curious to see how these teams are going to be in the dual race. Um, are you going to have guys who are locked in based on the charter who just dropped to the back? I'll be very blunt with you. If I'm in the race and guys are getting really dicey and I literally do not have a backup car in Daytona, I'm going to the back and I'm just going to just not finish this race and start dead last. I'd rather start dead last in the 500 than watch it on TV on Sunday. And that's what some of these teams are looking at, potentially. the It's not like the smaller teams don't have the parts. It's the big teams that don't. It's the Hendrick Motorsports. It's the um, Roush Fenway Keselowskis. It's the Penske's. These guys only have one backup car for their entire team for Daytona because these cars that are racing in Daytona could potentially be used at probably not Fontana in two weeks, but maybe Vegas, maybe Phoenix. It's potentially possible. These cars are very interchangeable, unlike they've been in decades, really. And that's something that we're really going to have to keep an eye on, is who pushes the envelope and who plays it extraordinarily safe. I think that a lot of these drivers know that they don't have a backup car. They're they're not idiots. They're very smart guys. And I truly think that they're going to play it safe. I hope they're going to play it safe. But with that being said, this is probably going up on NASCAR aged, and we're going to have a 10-car pileup in both dual races for all we know. Or it'll happen on lap two of the 500. We don't know. We're going to have to watch. I'm absolutely stoked that NASCAR's back. Uh, the fact that you have NASCAR back, the fact that you have NHRA back this weekend, you've got Supercross. F1 just announced that they're uh, putting out their Drive to Survive on Netflix, which feels like the season's back, even though the F1 season doesn't start for a little while, and same with IndyCar, but they're about to kick off. So mid-February, we're back, baby. I always look forward to the big game, not because I'm a huge football fan and I care about that game, um, not because, oh, the commercials, but because once the big game drops the very next week, NASCAR's back, racing is back, and we kind of have gotten the way cleared for from, from the competition, so to speak, with football to racing. Racing is back, and I cannot wait. And oh, by the way, and I'd be remiss if I don't throw this out there, um, 
Orange Show Speedway in San Bernardino, California. <laughs> of course I had to throw this in there, gearheads. Come on. Our, our 2022 season opener happening on March 12th. Uh, we have our second race coming out on April 23rd, 2020. And if you're a member of the media like myself, please shoot me an email and let me know if you want to come out to our 2022 Media Day test happening on Sunday, March 6th at Orange Show Speedway in San Bernardino. Close to the public, open to the media members, drivers, and teams. First test of the 2022 season, gates opening at 8 a.m. Cars on track at 9, press conference at noon with myself, with Robert Schneider, our track promoter, in the North Grandstands at the start-finish line. Cannot wait. And oh, by the way, Late models, bandoleros, street stocks, pro fours, uh, pony stocks, sport compacts. We have the Fifth Gear Barbecue Junior Fan Club. Literally, if you're a kid under the age of 12, bring your bike out uh, and you can literally race on a track that's the exact same size as the LA Coliseum NASCAR track. No joke. Plus, later this season, we're going to get American Race Trucks, uh, the Hot Pit Auto Fest Drift Competition. We've got lawnmower racing. We've got freestyle motocross, a demolition derby scheduled for this year, plus a ton of cool stuff happening. Make sure that you log on to orangeshowspeedway.org because there is so much stuff happening in San Bernardino this year with the track. I'm absolutely thrilled. Yes, I'm one of the guys who plans everything. Keyword, one of them. It is a village to keep this speedway running, and we almost went under in 2020 when the pandemic hit, but we managed to keep the doors open, keep the racetrack alive, even though there were some of those who wanted it to see it be bulldozed. Um, but you name it. Season opener in March. Uh, we have our fair race that's happening in uh, April. We got our first drift competition happening on April 30th. Uh, we got game night happening in March. We've got a 150 lap uh, late model race happening in June. Fourth of July celebration on July 9th. We're doing an 80s night in August. I can't wait for that one. A trunk or treat event in October. I mean, the, the, the speedway's stacked, y'all. Orangeshowspeedway.org. Go check it out. And oh, by the way, since we're checking out what's cool and coming up, let's check the racing calendar. The 2022 Daytona 500 is this Sunday on Fox. Kyle Larson and Alex Bowman will be leading the field to the green. We will set the field for the 500 tonight with the dual races from Daytona on FS1. And HRA opens up their 2022 season at the Winter Nationals in Pomona on FS1 this weekend. Plus, round seven of the 2022 Monster Energy Supercross season heads to Minneapolis this Saturday night on CNBC and streaming on Peacock Premium. That's going to do it for the show. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, mash that subscribe button on both the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Bailey, and make sure that you give a listen to wherever you listen to podcasts. You subscribe to the Shifting Gears podcast wherever you listen to them. Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, iHeartRadio, and of course, AmericanRacingNetwork.com or ARNRace.com. Thank you so much uh, for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, for the American Racing Network and Shifting Gears, I'm Alan Bailey. We will see you at the track. Let's go racing gearheads! been listening to the American Racing Network, a turn for media company. This is ARN, the Motorsports Authority.